You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Well, wonderful being here. I love the international flags, but I love the people more, seeing people of God together. And um, I thought what I'd speak about this morning is worship. How's that? It's kind of what I do, and I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> and um, we're all worshippers, aren't we, if we love Jesus. And I, I thought that the title of what I want to talk about is Worship the Father Once. Okay. Worship the Father Once. Just, just think about gifts. What, um, I thought of doing this differently. No, let's, let's try it this way. Um, Christmas time. We all write to Father Christmas our little wish list, don't we? Now, how many of you have written your wish list and have you ever received what you put on your wish list? Hands up. Have you ever received what you put on your wish list? Only some of you. So most of you put down what you want, but you never get it. Is that right? Yeah, so you're going to identify with this. Okay. Um, Maybe you can think of the person sitting next to you and just think, if you know them, obviously, what kind of gift would they like? Just think in your mind, what kind of gift would I give this person? Don't worry about budget, really. I mean, obviously within reason. I won't make you buy them that gift, okay? Just think of that gift. And do you want to just tell them quickly what you thought of? If, you don't have to do it, but... Um, All right, have you, have, you just, have you revealed? Okay. So now, how many of you gifts, how many of you who got the gift or would like the gift that the person said that? How many of you? Wow, quite a few of you, so you know them well. Okay. So it's kind of, the, the gift reveals how much you know the person in a way, doesn't it? All right. Um, and so it's just a little illustration. I, I once um, had to, or didn't have to, but I, when I think of, of giving people things like flowers to, to my wife. Now, men, flowers, really, do you understand the flower thing? Which man understands the flower thing? Yeah, I don't know why women want flowers. Yeah, so? They die. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know what I do is I've, I've come to compromise with my wife. I said, look, I don't understand flowers. I know you love flowers. So how can we, so we sort of, can I give you, how about a bush that we can plant in the garden? That makes sense because it's going to live and grow. But she still says, no, I want flowers. Because that's what she values and what she really wants. And what's that? Yes, the joy. Okay, so, so we, we give gifts sometimes to people, and it's not really what they want. And, and so I, I wanted us to explore what is it that God really wants from us um, as worshipers. Because, so, you know, we can approach worship on our terms. We can think, this is what I'm willing to give. This is what is my 
offering or my gift to God as my worship. But it's a waste of time if it's not what the, what the, the receiver wants. You're wasting, you know, how many gifts have you just thrown away? And so the father, let's look at what the father wants. Um, worship. The father wants is Mark twelve thirty says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says there is no commandment greater than these. Worship is... We know, we, don't, we talk about worship and we always say, now, now it's in to say it's 24-7, isn't it? And it's not the, you know, we're going to have the singing part of our worship. We talk like that in church now. This is the, to try and distinguish the difference between living lives of worship and what... We, we all know that, you know, singing isn't, isn't ultimately worship. It is actually loving God, isn't it? Ultimately, if you want to know what worship is, simply it is... Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, your vehemence. Okay? With vehemence, we, we worship God. So if we worship God, that is how He wants to be worshipped. Um, and actually the word worship comes from the passage we're going to read now. But the word worship actually comes from the Greek word that we use, worship. It's actually, it's actually not a biblical word, worship. It's just a word we've used, put into English. But proskuneo means to bow down in, in reverence and awe. Okay? It's a physical posture of bowing. And that physical posture shows who you're surrendered to. Um, who you bow to. Who is the most important in your life? That is what worship is. When we say we love God, we are telling Him that He is the most important in our lives. That's really what we are saying when we worship. Anything you worship, you'll spend time on. Not so? Anything you worship, that will be your priority in life. So if it's um, going shopping or coming and meeting with God's people, choose shopping, guess which one I think you worship. Alright, so those are little tests we can have. So, that's the underlying idea of what worship is. Okay, but what does the Father say He wants? And I think we should look at John 4, because it actually says, this is what the Father wants. Should we read the Bible? And it says from John 4, I think it's good to read the story. Jesus at the, at the well with the Samaritan woman. Now just to backdrop... Remember, Samaritans and Jews didn't talk. In those times, men and women didn't talk. And now Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. Isn't he radical? Jesus is radical. And he's about to reveal something very radical to someone from another nation. And I mean, it's, it's a wild story, this. Okay? And we're going to read. I don't know if we've got, can go from... Um, Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, have you got, from verse, have you got verse 7 available? doesn't matter. We'll just keep reading. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. 
The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Now Jesus is demonstrating his, uh, his word of knowledge gift here, his prophetic insight into what's going on. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. And she sheepishly would have said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. And she's <laughs> a little bit embarrassed, I'd imagine, you know. says, um, what you have just said is quite true. Jesus reads her book. Jesus, Jesus sees right through. And what Jesus is doing is he's revealing something about himself, isn't he? He's showing her that he is a prophet. He's showing her who he is. So he says to her, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Her uh, duh. Uh. Our fathers worshipped. So, but it's quite interesting. She changes the topic now. You know, when things get a bit embarrassing, you change the topic. So, let's change the topic. He's, she says, Our fathers, now the Samaritans, worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Okay, so the, the Samaritans believe that worship should happen in, um, on Mount Gerizim, and the Jews have that, that Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, that is God the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. This is a radical statement. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We, the Jews, worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is talking about himself. He says, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. Yet, a time is coming and now has come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now, we've all heard that one, haven't we? Have you all that heard that phrase? In spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to 
to us. Then Jesus, I, love, I just love this. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Isn't that radical? This story it just amazes me. I've, I've often wondered, you know, as being in the worship world, you, we, hear, we sing songs, worshiping in spirit and in truth. And we, we stand up and say, let's worship in spirit and truth. What do we mean by that? Have you ever thought about that when somebody has said that or when you've sung that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We should worship in spirit and truth. Hmm. Uh-huh. Have you ever thought about it? What does that mean? Sometimes we Christians just take stuff in and yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, being in the world of worship, I've, I've thought about it a lot. I never had any answers, really. I, I couldn't really, I, I was never satisfied. Sometimes people would say, yes, spirit means we must, with emotion and, you know, we must, and truth based on, we must believe the Bible and everything there, and that's how we worship, believing in everything. All good and true. We must worship with emotion and believing what's in the Bible. But I don't think that's what Jesus is on about here. Jesus through this passage, is revealing one thing the Father wants. And that is that worship is no longer bound to temples. No longer do the Samaritans need to go to Mount Gerizim to worship. No longer do they need to go to Jerusalem to worship. The day has come. And Jesus reveals, and he's pointing to who? Himself. When the true temple has come. And true worship can now happen. Because the, the truth, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the way to the Father. Access to the Father is now only one way. And there's no longer... A physical temple. It is no longer a physical place. It is no longer a building. It is no longer anything we've got to go to. But it is in a man. Amen? The Father wants worship to take place in a man. Through a man. And his name is Jesus. When we worship in spirit and truth, we worship by the Spirit of God and no longer by legalism, no longer by the flesh, no longer by anything that we think we can do, no, no longer bound to how we feel, our righteousness. We no longer approach God based on how the week's gone, or how many songs we sing. We approach God through one way, and that is through Jesus. Amen. And I think this is just absolute revelation. I think this is absolutely amazing, because no longer do we have to do anything to earn God's favor. We don't have to go to perform any rituals in the temple. We don't have to perform any rites. But it's all through Christ. You see, we can, 
We can hear to love God with all our hearts and all our souls. We say yes, and we sing songs and we, of devotion and surrender. And those are good songs. And, and it's good to devote ourselves to the Lord because that is the underlying basis of worship, is to love Him. But can I honestly say, can you honestly say that I really love the Lord with all my heart? See, there's a bit of a problem is we are sinful beings. We cannot worship God the way the Father wants. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro, looking through the earth, it says in the Bible, for the righteous ones who are wholeheartedly committed to Him. The eyes of the Lord are looking. The Father's looking. But He looks at us, and what does He find? We try hard. We try hard. But we don't meet the mark. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And so, you see, worship is, we, we, sacrifice, we, we, we surrender and we give ourselves to Him, but we still fall short. And so worship can only happen if we go to the true temple. God loves temples. You know that. The, the Garden of Eden was a, a temple. And in John it says that Jesus came to tabernacle. It's a, tabernacle means to dwell. God wants us to be in His presence. God's plan from the beginning was that we would be with Him. That we would be His friends. That's why the garden existed. That we would commune with Him. But our sins stopped us. And there is no access to, to true worship. But his plan is that the righteous may dwell with him. In Psalm 140 it says, Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. God wants to fill this earth in a temple. His glory. And that temple is his church. Amen. And you see, the temple that we come to is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, when we worship in, in spirit and truth, we worship by the Spirit of God, no longer by the flesh. Um, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, Jesus is the truth, have come through Jesus Christ. Um, When we come to Christ, you see, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We can do wrong things. We can be imperfect worshippers who want to please God, but we find ourselves that we don't. But God sends His Son that we, through Him, might be found righteous. Not in ourselves, but in Him. And you see, we can be very religious when we come to church meetings. Amen? We can think we are coming to a temple sometimes. We're coming to church, to do church, to do something, to earn our favor in God's presence. I better go to church this week. I better go to the temple. Because God will be pleased. No. 
not true. Why do we come to church? To praise. Amen. Because we are God's people. We don't have to earn anything, guys, girls. We come because we are His. We are in Christ. And we, got it. we, we get very... People love religion. We love to be told what to do and how to do it. And if we do it, we get brownie points. I was talking to Pete yesterday about... I don't get the psyche of having to, to do sponsorship. We love to earn, you know, I'm going to do a marathon, but I've got to do it only if I'm going to raise money to give to the poor or whatever it is. I'll work hard, run the race, and then I can give. I said, why don't people just give to the poor? It doesn't make any sense to me. Why do I have to run a marathon? But we love to work. We love to earn something. And we love to earn our access to the Father. But guess what? In Jesus Christ, you're going to lose, man. Because He's done it all for, for you already. And you see, it affects the way we approach God. I, you know, boldly we approach the throne of grace. Hebrews says, through Christ we come to the Father. In Hebrews it says, through Christ we come to the Father. The worship the Father wants is always through Jesus. No longer legalism. If there's anything in your mind that you think you have to do, kick it out the door. Oops, I did kick it out the door. If you think coming, we, we're coming to a temple to meet with God, nonsense. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit has chosen to abide in us who are in Christ. I think that's amazing. When we come together, we are little temples, and we join together, we become a temple that is united. Hebrews talks about us being a people from different nations coming together, and we are joined together like a temple that's rising. It talks like that. I'll read it if I had time. We go to church to make His glory bigger. That's why. We, we love Jesus, so we want to make His glory bigger. We come because we are a temple being joined together. We are His body being joined together. And when you don't join in here, you're actually one of those stones. You're, you're living stones. Do you know that? Sunday morning, oh, I don't feel like going to church. All oh, right, I'm a living stone. I'm joined to these people. We're going to make a big temple together. I'm a little temple, so I'm going to go and declare the praises of Him who called me out of darkness into His wonderful light. Because that's what we've been called to do. Peter says that we have chosen to be the praise of His glorious grace. We can't be the praise of His glorious grace if we stay by ourselves. Because His glorious grace is demonstrated in being gracious. By being one another together. I cannot demonstrate grace if I'm not with people. Do you know that? Grace is demonstrated by love and acceptance and being a body together. And we are being joined together. This is what the Father wants. This is the kind of temple that the Father is, is desiring. 
that we're going to live in one day forever. Amen. I think it's exciting stuff. Ephesians 3 says, In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That is worship, man. We enter boldly. Andrew Hill says, In the writings of the apostles, nothing is clearer than the fact that everything is sacred in sacred history, event, object, sacred place, theophany, cult, has been assumed into the person of the incarnate Christ. The Old Testament te- temple and altar with the rituals and sacrifices are replaced not by a new set of rituals and shrines, but by the self-giving of the Son of God in reconciling obedience to the will of the Father. Robin Perry says, Worship is not first and foremost something that we do. Our worship is no more and no less, and I love this, than a participation in Christ's own perfect love or worship of the Father. It's all through Christ. I really want to stress it. it is not about you and what you can do. We come through Jesus. If you come and you think and you're approaching God, you see, it's an everyday thing for us. We approach God. You know, we say we're Christians, we've got a relationship with Him. But then we live lives removed from Him. But God wants to, to dwell with us. He wants to tabernacle with us. The Bible says if we, if, we're, if we sin, what does He say? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You know, and sometimes when we get together with the church of God, we come in here and we think, and we think temple ways, and we think we've got to sing two fast songs, then a slow song, and then maybe like we'll get to the presence of God eventually. Nonsense! That's old covenant. That's ritualistic. You see, when you come on a Sunday morning, you are a temple. And you've been worshipping. John Piper says, you are a temple. Always worship. So through the week, you are a temple. Okay? And temples, what, what temples do is they praise the one they are worshipping. See, the difference between worship and praise is worship is that we have access to Christ. It is in Christ. Praise is, if you love someone, you will generally praise them, won't you? So when we come together, we're here to be the praise of His glorious grace. That's what we've come to do. And if there's any ritual that you think you need to perform, don't do That's why I sometimes start with a slow song or... It is you we adore. You are number one. Oh, but that was who? The Holy Spirit's left. Nonsense. It doesn't matter what songs we sing. Amen? Okay, so, that's what the Father wants us to come through Christ. Now, it says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, in view of God's mercy... 
offer up your bodies as living sacrifices. So you're saying, well, if worship is spiritual, then it's, it's like all out there in the, in the spiritual realm. Some mystics would love that, you know. But Romans says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices of praise, for this is your spiritual act of worship. That's what it says. Huh? But you just said it's, it's no longer the flesh, or it's, 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 we must worship by the Spirit. You see, our bodies, as I've said, are the temples. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The body, how we live, how we treat our bodies, what we do with our bodies, is pleasing to the Father. No longer do we do stuff with our bodies or perform rituals to try and gain favor, but it is in view of God's mercy. As Christians, we, everything we do for Christ is out of a response to His grace and mercy. I give my body, I lay down my life, not because I'm trying to earn anything, but because of His mercy. And you see, worship, we cannot separate body and spirit. Do you know that? Being a worshiper means that you use your body. You offer it up. Hit yourself. Hit yourself. This is, this is, the spirit lives in you, but this is your body. This is your gift that God has given you to use to glorify his name. So in view of his mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. No longer do we give sin sacrifices, but we give, in the, in the Old Testament, there were thank offering sacrifices. And you see, no longer do we have to offer up ourselves for sin. Christ has done that. We offer up our bodies as thank offering sacrifices. In Hebrews 13 it says, It's through Christ, therefore, continually offer, offer up a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips. And you see, so what we do is we use our bodies to bring praise to the, to, to the Lord. What we do at church is we praise Him. As worshippers of God, we praise Him. So we don't come to church to, to do praise and worship. We come to praise. We might use slow songs. We might use songs of adoration. We might use um, songs of celebration, exaltation. I don't know. There are a whole lot of song types we can sing. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that there's a worship. Where does it say we sing worship songs? Nowhere. The idea of praise and worship is an old covenant idea that we've got to go somewhere to get to God's presence. Well, no, we're already there. We're in. All we're doing here together is we are praising. So I prefer to use the word praise. But anyway, so um, don't get caught up on that. Praise the Lord. So we are worshippers. The, the, the Father loves worship, but He also loves us to bring praise to Him. As I said, if you're a worshipper, you will praise. If you find yourself not wanting to praise, we need to check our hearts and say, am I worshipping? Am I really surrendered to the Lord? Okay. 
Psalm 147 says, Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. Says Psalm 33, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. You are righteous in Christ, so praise Him. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. It is the right thing for the righteous, the worshippers. It is the right thing. That is what God loves, is for us to praise Him. And yet I come to church and I look at people and it's like, not you guys, okay? Not you guys, but... Guys, if we worship us, it is fitting for you to praise. It is obvious. If you love Him, you will praise Him. If you love your wife, you're going to tell her she's beautiful. Amen. Yeah, okay. So I thought, okay, well, if God wants us to praise as, as what He sees as an acceptable offering... I thought, well, let's just have a look at what the Father wants from the Psalms. What, what is the praise that the Father likes? Because we want to please, please God, don't we? Amen? Psalm 149. We're going to have a quick look at this, and then we're going to do some practical. Okay. Where's Psalms? Psalm 149. I just thought I'd choose just to, not quite randomly, I thought it was quite a nice, useful psalm. Um, why can't I find the Psalms? It's right. I'm looking at the back of the Bible. Um, it says, Praise the Lord. That's it. That's your instruction. As a, as a worshiper of God, what the Father likes is that you praise the Lord. So when we come meeting together as the temple, God's temple together, being joined together, Get into the door, we think, hey, I've come to praise the Lord. That's why I came. And the word praise is hallelujah. Halal means praise, yes. It's the Hebrew word for praise. Halal and yah or jah is God. So when we sing hallelujah, it's not just some exclamation or some religious term. Actually, we're speaking Hebrew. Okay, that's another. So we're singing Urdu and all different languages, and now we're doing Hebrew, okay, when we say hallelujah. So when you say hallelujah, that's praise the Lord. Now, hallelujah is a great word. I'll just quickly. Um, it actually means, it says, to, to boast and to brag, to be clamorously foolish. It's like, hallelujah! That's what, that's what that word means. It's not very British. <laughs> Guys, can I just say something quickly? Our culture, we can't hide behind our culture when it comes to biblical. Where the two meet and a change needs to happen. Guess who needs to change? What the Father wants or what I want? Let's look further on. And it says, sing to the Lord a new song. Okay, so that's what we must do. The Father likes this. Okay, he likes hallelujah, mad, wild worship, singing to him. It says in Psalm 145, actually, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. That's what this psalm says. The Lord is great and worthy of praise, regardless of, of what you say or think. That's what he is. Amen. And he must be praised. Sing to the Lord a new song. What is a new song? Is it the latest Matt Redman or whatever? 
or the Evan Rogers, their CDs at the back, by the way. Um, <laughs> you should always sing Evan Rogers' songs. They're the new songs. Okay, no, I'm only joking. Sing to the Lord a new song. I think that's, to me, that means that we don't sing out of ritual. You know, we can often come here and stare at the screen. And when we sing to the Lord, we can stare and it can just go through our eyes. And we don't engage with songs. And when the Bible says, sing to the Lord a new song, I don't think it means necessarily that we're going to sing a new song every week. Actually, an old song can be new to us. Not so? The truth that needs to touch our hearts. Amy Grant once sang a song, it's not a song till it touches your heart. Anyone know that one? But it's true. The songs we sing, people, we need to learn to engage with them, grasp them, and identify with what they're saying. And it becomes new to you, even if it's an old hymn. We love singing hymns, aren't they great? Because they speak the truth of what Jesus has done, and so that inspires us to praise. It helps us to be fresh. Spontaneity is always great, because no relationship wants to get into the doldrums. Don't do, you don't want your, your relationship with the Lord just to be samey. So he tells us, come on, do something new, do something different. Amen. The problem with formalism is that it, it's, when we become formal and have to do things according to a pattern, even charismatic patterns, us guys, we are as formal as formal church sometimes. We do things very ritualistically, and that breaks down the spontaneity of relationship that the Lord wants. Man, the Lord wants us to sing and make music and melody in our hearts. It's all about the heart response. We know we've got to worship the Lord with our hearts, but truly, when the Lord talks about singing new songs, every day we can sing a song from the heart, which is new to Him, because His mercies are new every morning, and our songs are new every morning. Okay, let's move on. And it says, Sing his praise in the assembly of the, the godly, or the saints, actually, my interpretation says. In the assembly of the saints. I've already told you, God loves it when we gather. Worship the Father once is a praise where we gather together as God's people. I've spoken about that. But Jesus, it says in Psalms, Psalm 22, that he is enthroned. The Lord is enthroned on the praises of Israel. So the psalm says, on God's people's praise, the Lord is enthroned. When we gather, He gets enthroned. He gets lifted up. When we sing and praise His name, who gets the glory? Jesus, the one who deserves it. So let's do it, guys. Um, you see, sometimes we think, when we come with a temple approach, we think it's all about us. I've come to church to get from God. And Richard didn't play the right song where I can zone in and get from God. And we come to church, we come in, we sit in our chair, we sing our songs, and we go home. Or maybe we don't sing our song. But you know, actually, what the Lord loves is God's people gathered together relationally. That we like this. You see, the cross is this, but it's also this. The whole purpose of Jesus' coming was to 
unite us with him, but unite us with one another. And if we think it's just about this when we come and meet as God's people to praise him, we're missing out on his actual intention. God's intention was that he might display his manifold wisdom to us through reconciling us to one another. People unlike us. People from different tribes, different tongues, different nations. That's what the cross has done. That's what the kind of praise the Father loves to see. So when we sing in yalla yalla, that's great because we're identifying with other cultures and we're also looking at one another. And we're also engaging with one another. I know that's also very un-British. Personal space, you know. If we can't look at each other and love each other, how do we love God? That's what John says. How can we say that we love God if we can't love one another? If we can't turn around and high-five each other, give each other hugs, praise Him in the assembly of the saints. God wants us to be a family together. Let Israel be glad. Oh boy. People, joy. We are supposed to be the joy party people. You know that. This should be a party every Sunday. The Bible says sing joyful songs. Let Israel be glad. Be happy. Some, you know, this is the kind of posture of typical Christians sometimes. You know, it's like we come to church, it's this, close our eyes so we don't see anybody. And we're trying hard. No, 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 no. Huh. Happy Christian. You see, I sometimes say, why do we close our eyes in church meetings? Does it say in the Bible, close your eyes? You sing songs like that encourage one another. That we close our eyes. It doesn't make sense to me anyway. Moving on. Be joyful. No, but you see, brother, you see, I've, I'm joyful, but it's deep inside. I've got joy. It's deep down in my heart. That's why I'm allowed to look miserable. Because it's deep down in my heart. Nonsense. Someone says, peace is inner joy. Joy is peace expressed. And I said, joy is peace released. Okay, we, we've all got peace. The peace of Christ rules in our hearts. But actually, joy is that peace being expressed. It is peace on its feet, someone said. If you're thinking, well, I can be joyful deep inside, but I can't express it. No, 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 no. That's not Joy, that is peace. We are called to, we are filled with an inexpressible joy. That inexpressible doesn't mean we don't express it. It means it's bubbling up. It's like, I don't know how to let this joy out. <laughs> That's the kind of response that the Father loves. It says, praise Him. And you see, praise Him with, then it goes on. It says, we must rejoice in our King 
and we must praise Him with dancing. What? Does God really like dancing? You mean He really wants me to dance? Guess what? It says so in the Bible, so I better do it. That's what the Father wants. But I'm British. You know, dancing was part of the ancient medium of expression of joy. He did. David danced. He went wild. He took his clothes off. (laughs) You know, it was only up until sort of the 500s where dancing got kicked out of the church. Dancing was always part of God's people's expression. The word for... Um, for rejoice actually implied dancing. So when it says rejoice, you would see the Jews would have been or whatever. And it would have been communal dance. They did communal dances. Do you know that? When we dance, it's not just me off on my club, sort of me getting down, you know. It's actually the communal dance, a carol. You know, talk about carols. The word carol actually isn't, doesn't mean the thing we do at Christmas. It means um, it's a round dance that the church used to sing. We do. I was in Scotland the other day. We, had, we were doing Kaylee dancing together. And whatever, you know. That was great. That is the kind of dance the Lord loves. I'm serious. Look, go look at the Hebrew words. But we stand in our single rows and we... Hey, this kind of dancing, man. See, that's communal, because we're doing it together. The Lord loves it, man. I tell you, He does. The Lord dances over us. It says in Zephaniah that He rejoices. The word dance there is actually to spin. The Lord does that. Imagine what we should be doing. He's feet dancing like over us. And he sings and shouts over us. But we too, you know, that's not the way I think we should do it. The Father is a dancer. Isn't it amazing? So we need to go wild. Terry says, Terry, who's Terry? Terry Virgo. Church is people. They are friends. They are family. They can enjoy being together in a relaxed way. We are enjoying sonship. Access, acceptance. So we can be relaxed. We are God's family. We want to enjoy liberty. We have been set free. We're enjoying a liberty as a result of what God has done. To be happy in the presence of God is perfectly appropriate. Clapping, celebrating, shouting. These are all biblical concepts. Reverence doesn't stop us celebrating Him. Reverence is about Worshipping appropriately, God wants to be appropriately revered through expressing praise in this way. Praise Him with music. Appreciate your musicians. Let them play. God loves the music because it inspires us. Amen? He takes pleasure. He delights in this kind of praise. He delights in this. He takes pleasure in us. Let's take pleasure in Him. He adorns the humble with salvation. All of this, all of what I'm saying, as I said, in view of God's mercy, our response to the Lord is always in view of what He has done for us.
we say, great is the Lord. Look what the Lord has done. Our great salvation, we rejoice because our names are written in heaven, not because of any other reason. We have every reason to rejoice, not because of anything we do or anything that has happened. We don't limit our rejoicing to bad circumstances. We rejoice because of Jesus. We rejoice in Jesus. Amen. And we could go look and keep looking at the Psalms. And you'll find all different expressions of praise to Him. And I thought we'd just end off with some practice. Should we do some celebrating in God? Okay? Someone asked you to stand up. Because, you know, this is where the party is. Do we need to get the kids in? Okay. Can I take this off? Let's just, let's just, um, let's just come before the Lord. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord, for, for all you've done for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your mercy, Lord Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That you have brought us access to the Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have joined us together as your people, Lord. That we are yours. And Lord, that there is no ritual we have to perform. That we come through you. And we want to just celebrate in you now, Lord. Rejoicing in all you have done for us. Your salvation upon our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You ready?